We are in a series called What's in Store, where we're looking at what Jesus' teaching is on various things of life, and I'm going to read uh, this week's verses, which is Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Jesus says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the reading of God's word. Now, when Jesus is giving this, what's, what's called the Sermon on the Mount, where he is, is giving all these teachings on life, what he's doing is he's painting a picture of what it looks like to live the life according to the kingdom of God. God's ways, God's will, what God wants happening, what would that be like in the person who's got that kind of heart, who's got the kind of heart that aligns with what God wants? And so he gives pictures. It looks like this, but it wouldn't look like this. And he gets to this section that we've been looking at the last two weeks and into this week, where he says, you know, do, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by people, because if you do, you'll have your reward in full. If you're doing good things and your motivation is to be seen by others, then God says, okay, then you'll get what's motivating you. Others will see you, and the results that come from others seeing you, others noticing you, you making it known to them, that's your reward. But if you want to do good things and you're motivated by it's because God says it's best, it's because you want to live your life for God, then God will meet you in that place. And if God meets you in that place, you will be rewarded. You will get what's in store for you, things that only God could provide. So the examples we looked at are giving to the poor, giving to people in need, or praying. If you do it because you want, to, you want others to be impressed, or you, you don't want others to think less of you, or whatever it is, but you're needing something from human beings then you will get something from human beings. But if you're looking for something from God, then you don't do it to be seen by people. They may or may not notice. You may at times step back, but your motivation is, I want to live for God. I want to do what God says is best. So this week, what I just read has to do with fasting. And in the Bible, fasting, it seems, is nearly always talking about fasting from food refraining from eating food for a certain amount of time for spiritual purposes. And we actually talked about fasting around the holidays for like six Sundays in a row. So what we talked about was, or one of the things we talked about is that many people who even have grown up in the church who are pretty well accustomed to, to the Bible and its teaching don't know much about fasting, haven't done much fasting, and the, pa the passages that they most know about fasting is this one and the one where there's a Pharisee that brags about fasting. And so the thing that most know about is like, we don't, if we do it, nobody should know. But the reality is, Jesus says the same things about prayer. And we know people pray. We let people pray up front every Sunday. We pray with other people. So fasting is, it's not that we shouldn't do it or that we should only do it in secret. It's that we shouldn't do it to impress other people. But if we don't ever do it, then that's not even worth teaching going through. 
So I'm not going to rehearse what I talked about, and, and Judd gave a message in there, what we talked about for six weeks. We have those messages on the website. If you're interested in fasting and you weren't part of that series, then you might want to listen to some of those where we talk about why you would fast. There's lots of reasons why you'd fast, why it's, God gives us this gift, practical ways of how to learn to fast. All of that's in that series. So I'm not going to talk about that, and I'm not going to emphasize what I think is the main point of this, which is not to be impressing people, not to be doing it to be seen. We've talked about the downsides of that the last couple Sundays. I want to focus in on a little something different. Fasting in the Bible is, is used sometimes interchangeably with denying yourself. So in the Old Testament, when the Lord is giving, like, here's, here is the, the festivals, here's the celebrations you should have to me, and here's the uh, sort of commemorative days, one of the days is the Day of Atonement. Three times in the instructions on the Day of Atonement in Leviticus, it says, on that day, deny yourself. On that day, deny yourself. Now, all the people knew that was fasting. They didn't eat food on that day. They used deny yourself and fasting interchangeably. I want to, us to look at the idea of denying ourselves for a little bit, which can be about fasting from food, but it also could be fasting from other things as well. And the reason I want to do that is because I think denying ourselves is actually central, like really high up there in importance in being a follower of Jesus. So verse 24, Matthew 16, verse 24 says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So Jesus says, well, first of all, if we want to be the kind of person who has God's life, God's ways just flow from us, we become that kind of person. In order to do that, we have to be Jesus' disciple. We have to follow him. We have to learn from him. We have to listen to him. We have to do what he says. He's the one who knows how it works. And he says, if you want to be my disciple, then you have to deny yourself. That's central. You have to deny yourself. And I'm emphasizing that because we live in a world that has the opposite message coming to us all the time. Like the good news of being a U.S. American in the 21st century is you can be happy, you, get, you need to find yourself, you need to live for yourself, but if our focus is on finding how am I going to be happy, how do I get my needs met, all of that, Jesus says, you'll never find it. But if you don't have that be your focus, all of a sudden you're going to find that. Just the exact opposite. It's counterintuitive, but he is consistent. This is not the only place he says it, even in the book of Matthew. This is a theme that runs through the Gospels, runs through the New Testament. Deny ourselves, focus on Jesus, and then we get what we, what we think we lose when we deny ourselves. And in the immediate sense, we will not quite get it. Otherwise, we would just go with it. But if we will stick with it, we will become the kind of person 
who receives the life of the kingdom. In a couple weeks, the passage is, seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's where God reigns. It's where what God wants to happen happens. It's God's will. Seek first that in his righteousness, and then everything else will be given. Now, recently, there's a couple doctors who have been doing this huge study for a long time, and they're talking about a wonder drug. This is a wonder drug with no side effects, and if you bring up the list, here are the things that, this, that they say they have done the studies, and these are the positive effects you get from, from taking this on. Longer life, better cardiovascular health, slower aging, better willpower and stamina, more energy and better sleep, less depression and anxiety, more happiness and fulfillment, more personal and financial success. Okay. That, okay, this probably isn't real, right? I mean, that's what you got to be thinking. Like, okay, so here's their book that they wrote. Wonder Drug, Seven Scientifically Proven Ways That Serving Others is the best medicine for yourself. That serving others, focusing on others, is good for you. They did 250 peer-review studies. So these are like studies that go through a lot of rigorous to say, like, this is a legit thing. They went through over 1,000 medical articles, they, they, and they said it, the evidence is overwhelming that when someone, when you, we focus on others, they use words like kind to others, be compassionate to others, connect with others. When we do that, all of these things are good for us. They say, they, you go through the self-help books, and it's, it'll tell you the opposite. It will say it's all about self-care. It is, it is about pursuing your passions. It is, that's what it will say. They said, that is not what the research says According to them, according to the studies they've done, they say, here's what happens when we focus on others, when we're kind to others, when we have compassion to others, when we connect with other people, even the people that we normally wouldn't, wouldn't think we should connect with. Here's what happens. Number one, activates the reward centers of the brain. These are what the medical studies have shown. Increases the fantastic four neurotransmitters. So... Uh, oxycotin, serotonin, help me out, dopamine, what's the fourth one? Endorphins, we got scientists, people in the house. Anyway, like this is good, good chemicals happening. Do you know, really? You're very smart. Okay, <laughs> number three, fine-tunes the nervous system. So it activates the parasympathetic system, which is more about rest and calm, as opposed to the sympathetic system, which is fight or flight. It downregulates systematic inflammation, buffers the body stress response. So this is where we're getting cardiovascular. Anyway, they are saying, like, we were looking at it scientifically. One of the two doctors is, they, is nicknamed the science guy because unless the data shows it, he's not going to go with it. And he, didn't, he, was not, he did not think heading in. It was the other doctor who said, I've been looking at stuff, and I think that all the evidence points to this being a really important part of health, and we're not saying it. And he wasn't, he wasn't convinced, but then he went in with the study, and he's like, yeah, it's overwhelming. 
So here's a couple quotes from their, their book. Conventional wisdom is to focus on ourselves, to self-help. How's that working for you, by the way? It doesn't add up. The bulk of scientific evidence points to a totally different paradigm, and it's been right in front of us all along. The self-serving, self-help culture is not going to get you to true happiness, fulfillment, or success. But serving others will get you there, and we can prove it. Now, one of the two doctors, the one that was later to the game in, in, in do, doing this, he was actually starting to go through burnout and thinking of leaving the medical practice because he was so burned out. But, and so he was going to take, he could have taken like a research job where he wouldn't have to see patients at all anymore. But he thought, you know, this is, this is strange. I shouldn't have to leave this job to do it. There's got to be a better way to do this job. And that's when the other doctor contacted him. And so this doctor's practice changed. His, his, the way he, he went about seeing patients changed in that he decided to, do, to devote 40 seconds per patient to trying to connect with them and encourage them. 40 seconds. And so... Obviously, a doctor who's just moving it through, you know, compared to the doctor that slows it down and tries to connect and encourage with every patient, like, the patients will think that's better, right? But what he found is the burnout went down. He didn't have to take a six-month sabbatical. He started focusing on others and trying to connect them. One more quote from their book, the paradigm shift we'd like to usher in is that by serving others, your life will crack open in only the best ways. But here's the mind better. If you do it only for selfish reasons, you might as well forget it. I'm trying to think what they call it. They've got a, a name for it. I think I wrote it down on this other page. Oh, a strategic helper. If you're the kind of person, this is what social scientists call a strategic helper, if you're the kind of person who does it so that others will notice or does it so that you get something in return, then they say the results are like minimal to no value. It doesn't work. You have to mean it. You have to mean it in your focus on others. So it just goes right along with Jesus saying, if you do it to be seen by others, then you get your reward. If you do it to be loving... God sees that, he's in it with you, and he rewards you. Now, all of this, this is just a book, this is just some research, but this is what, what gets me. Like, it's like they did research on what if we did what Jesus said we should do? If people do, now these, they're talking about science. That I don't know that either of them are Christians or have faith. I don't know that one way or the other. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about data. They're talking about, but, they're, but their data is, if we do what Jesus says to do, it's better for us. Like We've known that for 2,000 years, potentially. And so here's my thought. I think what they're saying is knowing this, if we, if we can just get people to know this, oh, this is what's better for us, then we'll do it. I'm not convinced that's true. I'm not convinced that we automatically know focusing on other people, which would mean like not putting ourselves and what we want and what we think at the front, but leave it, you know, denying ourselves to a degree to focus on other people, to do good towards other people, 
If we will do that, it will be better for us. I'm not convinced we will do it. You want to know why? I already know that. But I'm selfish. But I want what I want when I want it. Not only that, there is a whole system around me that reinforces I should be, be doing the opposite of what Jesus says. We've been talking about that for weeks now. Be angry, right? Promote lust. Be seen by others. Do things in front of people. All of that is the messages that we get, some blatant, some very at our subconscious level all the time. And then there's the evil forces try, trying to reinforce this. So the ability to just do these things, I think is more difficult than just, oh, if we're educated and we know this is right, then we'll do it. We need help. And so I said this a few weeks ago, but I want to bring these back up. You can be the kind of person that Jesus uh, is describing here. You can become the kind of person who has a heart that does the things that God wants you to do and doesn't do the things that God doesn't want you to do. And it'll be better for you if you do. But you can't do it without trying. It's not like, oh, well, God, make me a good person, and now I'm going to feel like it. Whether I try or not, I'm just going to feel like it. Whether I intend to or not, I'm just, you know, as soon as, you know, I'm just waiting for God to make me this kind person, make me this helpful person, make me the kind of person that doesn't get angry. I'm just waiting for that. Waiting to not feel that way so that it's authentic. No, we have to actually try. But at the same time, you can't do it just by trying. Just trying, just willpower alone. For me, it's kind of like I'm going to eat better and healthier and less calories. And I work really hard to do it. Yeah, and I made that step forward. And then my wife's a good cook. So boom, boom, two steps back. Like just, just one day, I'd blow it all. All of a sudden, at the very end of the day, I can do a good for the whole day. It can be kind of like that. Just trying, just willpower alone does not work. We can do it, I think what I said a few weeks ago, is by receiving and responding. By looking outside of ourselves, God will help us. And so we, we do it, we do try, but we also say, I need help from outside it. What I would say now is we do it by trying and by relying on God. God, help me do the things I can't do myself. I am going to intend, I'm going to put effort into it, and I'm going to know I can't do it by myself, but I also know you help me. So I want to look at a few verses from 1 John, because this idea, I didn't see them use the word or hear them use the word love in this, this uh, wonder drug book. But it seems like it's the biblical definition of God, of love. Focus on others. Do good for others. Have compassion and kindness for others. Connect with others. That's like the biblical definition of what love is. So 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He denied himself. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We ought to deny ourselves. A little bit later, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. It comes from outside of us. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. A few verses later, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So we rely on a love that comes from outside of us. And when we decide and intend, we want to cooperate with that love. We want to love like he loved us. He lives in us. His Holy Spirit comes in us and we get that help. The two things work together. Now, what does all of this have to do with fasting? Right? The passage of the day is fasting. Andrew must have just got tired of talking about fasting this winter, and he's just making up a different sermon altogether. Now, I'm going to bring it back. Because fasting is denying ourselves something for a, a purpose. And one of the reasons we fast is because when we deny ourselves something, we can receive and we open ourselves up to grace from God. And it's a practice and habit. So, if I want to be able to focus on others and be kind to others and be compassionate to others, even when I'm really hungry, in the moment, I can't do it. I'm hangry. I want to eat now. It's not like I... Just my mind chooses, okay, be, be grumpy, be grouchy, be short with them. No. This is just what's happened. My body has gotten used to, this is my response when I'm really hungry. Now, if for a day, I'm not going to eat food either way, and I do that for several weeks in a row, all of a sudden, I can be serving someone else food and still be nice to them. And at first, it was a gritting my teeth, be nice to them. But at times, it just becomes like, I can do this. I have resources beyond what I knew of. But I was never looking for those resources from God. I was looking for the food. And Jesus says, you know, I have food to eat that you know nothing of, food to do the will of my Father. He says, man does not live, humans don't live by bread alone, by food alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, but I don't think I need those resources, I just need food. Until I don't have food for a week, or a day, or either, and then I realize, oh, I have God. And now, even when I'm not fasting, I can become better equipped to be kind to others, to let them have the extra piece of pizza, to whatever, now, that's one thing, but there are other ways that we can deny ourselves for a season in order to become more like the person that Jesus is describing in this sermon series. So, for instance, we could decide for one month we will not purchase anything we don't absolutely need for a month. Why would we do that? Well... As I think we're going to find out next week, we, we live what's normal for us 
is to live with excess. To have excess amount of things in our life. Not just the basics of, uh, that we need, but just to have more, way more than we need. That is normal for most of us. To have way more than we need. It's also normal that even though we have way more than we need, we still think we need more. And if we could get more, then we'd be happy. And so it's already that we live with this excess amount of stuff. And then we keep thinking, I need more. And if we deny ourselves for a month, even though we could get it, we will start to learn about ourselves. Like, I'm sure one of the things that will happen is there will be a really good deal on something. Like a really good deal. Like, this is a chance to get a really good deal. But the, and, and we could do it. There's no reason. But we, we've made this. We're not for a month. We're not going to do that. But boy, that's a really good deal. And then what we learn, what we can learn is, oh, I'm at the mercy of really good deals. If it's a really good deal, I think I have to get it. I just know I have to get it. So why is my closet so full of stuff? Oh, I'm used to just purchasing things and getting things and acquiring things that I don't even need. But I think I need it. And I think it'll make me happy. And so denying ourselves for a season in that area would help us to see, oh, I can be free of needing to get what I want when I want it. What about drinking alcohol? So if I decide not to drink any alcohol for two or three weeks, and I'm, the pers I'm the, a person who drinks alcohol on a regular basis, then I might learn that even though I think having a drink every night would help me, just helps me relax, helps me feel better, I think, I, I didn't brush up on this, but I'm pretty sure that just because of what it does to your blood sugar, that isn't actually a helpful long-term strategy. But also, I can learn that I could have a good time without a drink. And for those of us who are social drinkers, who drink every time we're with people, we don't even know how to have a good time without having a drink. So we're bound by that. But if I deny myself for a season, then I can learn to be free from that. And then I maybe can learn to drink just as a gift that I can enjoy. You know, some of the things would be back-engineered. It might not be that we figure out how to deny ourselves first. It might be that we commit to something and then keep the commitment, which means that eventually we will have to deny ourselves. So, for instance, in order to serve in something, to join a thing, one of, one of what's... One of the things that has happening in an increasing measure in our society is that we have a fear of missing out. And so there is a real hesitancy to commit because something better might come along. And so we don't sign up to serve, whether that's here at the church or whether that's somewhere out in the community. We don't decide to join a group to grow because I don't want to take up... I mean, I want to have the flexibility to do what I want to do. Six weeks in a row... The group's going to meet for six weeks in a row. I can't give up six Wednesday nights or six Sunday nights. Okay. But I want the life of God. I want what God has to offer. 
I, all of it, I'm going to sing about it. I'm available. I'm available. Just not on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights. Of course, those are the, not Mondays or Tuesdays either. I mean, every once in a while, things are coming up on Thursdays. So I'll give you a Thursday or two. I'll give you one, a couple Sunday mornings a month. But I want everything you got. But I got to keep my schedule open. So if we want to grow, we may need to deny ourselves certain things so that we can make whatever it is, come to Wednesday night uh, prayer or prayer or whatever, come to, come to something, get together with something, serve in some way. The people who served in VBS, I've watched this for years. The people who serve in VBS, you come to Thursday. Okay, we're going to go out and pray now on the Thursday. Just walking. Okay, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. Yeah, no, this is great. It's for the kids. We love the kids. Super exciting. Super exciting. And then you watch the end of Thursday night as they see kids worshiping God, as they see kids running around church going like, I like being at church. And you watch them, the leaders. In serving, I've, I've watched people just from serving in one week in VBS go from, I don't feel connected at this church. I feel like I'm part of this church. But they had to give up four nights in a row and give up peace and quiet for four nights in a row. Right? Now, I am not saying, okay, did you get in that? Everybody taking notes? You're going to do all those things starting tomorrow? No. It's not like, this isn't a one-size-fit-all thing. But this is what the value of fasting is that we would say, that we would be open to, God, is there something I need to give up for a season? Is there something I need to commit to for a season in order to open up myself to more of you? In order to have more of you in my life? If we focus on doing good things or not doing th certain things, if that's the focus, that doesn't help. If the focus is we do those things so that others will notice, that doesn't help. But if we do some of these things that God suggests, because I just want more of you, because you are the leader of my life, and I want to be free. I don't want other things to be in charge. I want you to be the most important. Then God might show us, don't do this for a season. Don't, you could do the discipline of not giving your opinion for a week. Watch how much more people like you. <laughs> I, I give my opinion because I think people will like this. They will like to know what I think. I really like people that listen to me. Right? So what if we didn't post for a week? We just liked. You know, what is the thing that God says, you know, for a week, for a month, for once a week, for and then see if I fill in the space. I'm gonna have the worship team come up. We're just gonna have a little time to see if God brings something to mind for you that you would deny yourself for a season or you would commit to for a season. Maybe there'll be something really clear and you can put it right into practice. 
Or maybe he will start working you over and he'll bring it back to mind in the future. Lead us, God, now, each one of us. We want more of you. We want to have your will, your ways, your life. We want the resources that come from outside of us that are from you to flow in us and through us. So would you show us if there is something we are to give up or something we are to commit to. Maybe even in these moments, would you make it clear? In Jesus' name, amen.